The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dushepsi for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To extra point, take Chio Kapati here, joined by Ben Solak. Following Monday Night Football, the Detroit Lions take care of business, handle the Las Vegas Raiders 26-14 in a game that was not nearly as close as that 12-point uh, margin. Even indicates we will talk about that game and then we will go around the league and share our takes from everything that happened in Week 8. Ben Solak, how are we doing? About 16 hours left to the deadline as we're talking about it now. When you listen, it'll be later. My favorite time of the year. Everybody make sure you're doing your part. Petition the gods. You know, do the knuckle bones, read the organs, whatever you do. Scry, all whatever is necessary to bring a good trade deadline into being. I'm pumped up. Well, luckily, I know you always monitor what's happening online during the show. So if something breaks, you can just yell out, we've got a trade and we can have a live reaction. I need something to do when you're talking. Yeah. Usually it's just scroll. Twitter. Exactly. I know. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not worried uh, about that. And then, of course, if something happens in the next between now and 4 p.m. on Tuesday, you know, the, the Ringer family will jump back on the Ringer NFL feed and talk about the big trades. All right, let's get to my first take here. As I mentioned, Lions beat the Raiders handily. My big take was these are two organizations in, heading in completely different directions because of the choices that they made. I, I mean, I, you're looking at that Lions fan base and then you're imagining what it's like to be a, a Raiders fan right now, right? And, and how different is it? Lions, young players all over the field tonight. Jameer Gibbs, oh my gosh, he looked incredible. 189 yards from scrimmage. He looked amazing. Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Lee McNeil. Every snap, there was a young player for the Lions making plays. This was an organization two years ago. 3-13-1. But you know what? They committed to building something the right way. They're well coached. They're 6-2. and two. They're the two seed in the NFC right now. They're 14-4 and four in their last 18 games. Do you realize the world we live in, Ben Solak? You live in Michigan. The Lions are 14-4 and four in their last 18 games. I'm pretty sure that has never happened uh, in my lifetime, and I'm like three times uh, as old as you. They're not perfect, but I can't think of many fan bases right now that should be like more excited or happier with their team than the Detroit Lions. And then you look on the other sideline and you got the freaking clueless Las Vegas Raiders, nine and 16 under Josh McDaniels. No plan at quarterback. They change their every offseason. They want to do something different. They change their mind. They trade for Devontae Adams. He didn't look too happy to me. Uh, tonight, Max Crosby just wasting the prime of his career, legitimately one of the best players in the NFL having to play for that defense. No plan, no hope. They're four and four. Their fan base should be irate having to watch this team. So I know the Raiders fans will keep watching. They're a loyal bunch and you're, you know, they're probably thinking, hey, we're four and four. Our, our season isn't over. The organization is a train wreck and I don't see any hope for them. Meanwhile, Lions fans, Make sure those weekends in January, you know, you got the shared Google calendar like the Kapadias have. So then, you know, you, you you and your partner don't miss stuff. Make sure those those weekends in January are open. This is a really, really good team that is absolutely capable of making a, a run in the playoffs in a weird season in the NFC. So I don't know. If, I'm sure there are other bigger takeaways that might be more game specific or uh, we've talked, I feel like, a lot about these two teams. But that just struck me what a difference there was in kind of the vibes, the feelings uh, of these two organizations, these two teams, again, because of the choices that they have made uh, over the past two or three seasons. Sheila, on the pre-show, I told you you had to bring the heat with the Lions Raiders take because I was fired up. Was that weak? Yes. Two teams had a different direction. We already knew this. The correct okay. take is this. I will say the okay. take. Okay, give it to Get me. Get Devontae out of Las Vegas. Get him out. Get Take the player. 
Get him out of the city, put him in a different city on a different team. It's the only thing I'm interested in for the next 16 hours. So he's going to save Devontae Adams. Well, see, this is why I am a content veteran. And I know that by the time people listen to this, Devontae Adams might be already be uh, on another team where the trade deadline might have already passed. So see, I had okay. to make mine a little more timely with the window. So... Okay, so right. you are net, you're allowed to make no trade deadline comments this entire pod then, if that's the way we're playing <laughs> no. this. Try to be as timely as possible. Listen, there's already been trades made. We, I'm going I'm to get to those later. All right, anything else from you from this game? Yeah, Devontae Adams, I mean, if they are a smart franchise, which we know they are not, and if they cared about anything other than Ben Solak's uh, number one rule of job security, you trade Devontae Adams. You can get a first-round pick for Devontae Adams. Your team is going nowhere. You need assets to acquire young talent and build for the future. This is one of the few pieces you have. He doesn't want to be there, obviously. You have no use for him. You can't even get him the football. You can't even complete a pass to the guy. He's one of the best wide receivers of our lifetime, and you can't even complete a pass to him. Move him. There are teams that could use him. There are teams that would give up a first-round pick for Devontae Adams. But... I don't think they will do that, but we'll see. Maybe they will. I think that Devontae is unlikely to do anything with the Raiders through the rest of the season that would justify his price tag. And so you either have to consign yourself to playing every single week with your star looking furious and you also spending a ton of money on him and nobody being happy, or you see if you can milk a team for a huge deal right now. Because I do think that that a big enough deal is out there. Like, this is Devontae Adams. Like, I think Cowboys, I think Lions, I think Chargers, I think Chiefs, Chargers and Chiefs are in the division, so like that's probably not happening. Uh, I, the, to me, there are enough teams out there that you could drum up a pretty substantial price for Devontae Adams and feel good about it. Does he just go to the Detroit locker room and say, I'm not leaving? I said he should go in and, and kind of handcuff himself to like a post, like a little peaceful protest and be like, I will not leave until they put me in a Lions <laughs> jersey, at which time I will leave. I thought it would be a good good strategy, maybe potentially. We'll see. There you go. We're recording right after this, so maybe he's doing this as we speak. I was going to make a joke like forget his license in the Detroit locker room and then he can't get through TSA and he can't get on the plane, but I'm pretty sure they don't have to go through TSA. So that, that one didn't fit as much. I went for the, the peaceful protest thing. There you go. All right. What do you have for your first take of the show? All right. I've been a long time not worrier about the Chiefs. Uh, every time we've talked about the Chiefs, I, I, I asked you on, on the top of a pod a few weeks ago, you get all these Chiefs questions, you worried about the Chiefs, and you were like, yeah, no, I'm not really worried about them. I was like, yeah, I'm not worried about them. Other shows, I've said, are you worried about the Chiefs? I said, no, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. Folks, I'm here to tell you, after losing to the Denver Broncos, after failing to perform against the defense and gave up 70 points to Miami Dolphins, I'm still not worried about the Chiefs. I'm not even close. It's not, I can't do it. The quarterback had the flu. A mile above sea level, man. Like I, uh, Broncos fans got mad at me th- today because I, I, I said, listen, like simplest explanation is the best explanation. The Chiefs lost and they were bad on offense because the quarterback had the flu. And they're like, wow, no credit to the Broncos defense. All right, well, sure, some. But let's be like, you weren't walking into that game thinking that you were going to have that performance. Mahomes was sick. Mahomes was sick and played poorly. Now, if we look over the course of the season, right, there's stuff that people want to, want to point out and poke at and say this isn't good with the Chiefs offense. Right now, Mahomes is, is scrambling on over 7% of his dropbacks. It's the highest uh, uh, single season mark of his career to this point. It's only a little bit high, but it is the highest. His average time to throw right now is 2.86 seconds. That is also the highest of his career. 2.75 is the previous. So it's a little bit over, but it's it's not crazy. Air yards per attempt, he's at 6.8 air yards per attempt. It's the lowest of his career. So right now, he's holding on to the ball for longer than he's ever been in his career. He's throwing shallower than he's ever done in his career. And he's scrambling more than he's ever done in his career. All of this is symptomatic. It, 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 the, the, cause, like, like the cause is the wide receivers aren't good. So the passing game isn't working the way it should. And so Mahomes is throwing underneath more often. And he's holding onto the ball more, trying to make stuff happen. Arjun Menon uh, on Twitter, who's a, a good analytics follow, had a, a chart today where he showed the Chiefs have the longest time to pressure as a team in the league right now. Which is to say, on downs in which the quarterback is pressured, it takes defenses the longest amount of time to get to the Chiefs, to, to pressure against the Chiefs offensive line relative to the rest of the line in the league. They're not like losing early. It's not like Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are really struggling. I don't think they're playing great, but it's not like their offensive line's getting beat early off the line and Mahomes is immediately going in scramble mode because of that. It's because they're having issues with receivers getting open downfield. It's because Mahomes is kind of holding onto the football and looking for more downfield throws. Mahomes is facing a lot of too high. He has to check the ball down a lot. He's not going like, to connecting on deep passes the way he typically does. And it's frustrating. It's annoying, right? And and 
Sometimes he'll miss Justin Watson by a yard. You're like, all right, well, you should have hit Justin Watson. Then the next time he'll put the ball on Sky Moore and Sky Moore won't catch it. And Andy Reid will go in the press and be like, well, they were hooking Sky Moore's arm. And it's like, yeah, but Sky Moore should have caught the football, dude. Like there's the the reason why the the plays aren't connecting are are, there's many of them. There's multiple reasons. It's not that Mahomes is way worse. It's not that like all the receivers are terrible. It's that they haven't gotten on the same page. But I can't turn on the film and tell you that the Chiefs lost the Broncos for any other reason than like Mahomes just simply was not playing well. He was not himself. And I think it's because he was sick. Nor can I turn on the film of the last eight weeks and be like, man, the six and two Chiefs are really struggling. Huh? Oh, these six and two Chiefs, such a bad offense. They've made a very concerted effort to invest in the running game over the last few off seasons and to invest in yards after the catch over the last few seasons, anticipating this change, anticipating the fact that defenses would increasingly get better at taking away the deep ball. And while Mahomes is at the highest uh, time to throw of his career, he is at the lowest yards of time of his career. He also leads league in quarterbacking right now in yards after the catch. Like there's, there's a lot of this that's kind of working the way intended. It's not as pretty. It's not as sexy, but it's part of what has to happen when defenses are so oriented on taking away your elite quarterback and not letting him connect deep. So I, I can't I can't get there. Like, I, I I know it feels like a ripe opportunity. Like, wow, the Broncos have beaten, uh, lost to the Chiefs the last 17 times. This is our chance. Like, let's, let's here we go. The Chiefs are in trouble. I'm not there. I, will, I, I Maybe I'll get there by December. I'm not there yet. Well, I don't think this has happened uh, before yet this season. So, like, I think it happened last year where we have uh, corresponding takes on the same team. And mine's going to be different. So let's have it out. In opposite directions. Right now. uh, It's okay to be concerned about the Chiefs offense. Now, everything is relative, what you said. Yes, they have Mahomes. They have Andy Reid. They have Travis Kelsey. They're 6-2. and No one's saying they stink. No one's saying they have a bad offense. They have a good offense. They have a top 10 offense. However, the bar for the Kansas City Chiefs is different than the bar for every other team. They are in Patrick Mahomes' prime. They are trying to win Super Bowls every season. They lost to the Broncos Sunday, as you mentioned. They have played 102 games with Patrick Mahomes. That was their worst offensive performance ever in terms of EPA per drive. They went 10 possessions. They did not score a touchdown. Like you said, Patrick Mahomes was sick. Maybe that explains it. But we've seen Patrick Mahomes play through all kinds of stuff in his career, and they've never had a performance that was as bad as that one was on Sunday. Then you zoom out. This is not just a one-game thing, okay? They have not had a single offensive performance this season that qualifies as an above-average Mahomes performance. Not him individually, but if you take those 102 games that they've had with Patrick Mahomes, none of them this year rank in the top 51 of a Mahomes game. Above-average for a Mahomes Chiefs performance. That is an eight-game sample. That is concerning to me. If we look at the six seasons with Patrick Mahomes, they are. this is by far the worst they've been in EPA per drive, success rate. They're averaging 23.4 points per game. That's four points fewer than they've averaged in any other season with Patrick Mahomes. So, I think it's okay to be concerned. Like, you laid out the reasoning, and I agree with you. This isn't a Patrick Mahomes is declining. Patrick. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes. This has to do with the supporting cast and the limits to saying, hey, we have Mahomes and Reed. Everything else is going to be fine. Well, yeah, it was last year. No doubt about it. Now you have Travis Kelsey, uh, a year older. You made some changes at wide receiver in the offseason. Those haven't panned out. You've taken dart throws on younger guys. Those guys are not reliable. You gave the numbers. That's what it, it looks like. Patrick Mahomes is back there and he's looking around and not, and he has to be Superman even when the offense plays well. That stuff is not in rhythm. Stuff is not schemed up. There is no trust with the wide receivers he has uh, on the roster right now. So uh, I think it's okay to have concerns. Uh, about this group. Now, um, they could have 500 yards on Sunday morning in Germany uh, against the Miami Dolphins. That wouldn't surprise anyone. That's always in play with Mahomes and Reed. But we have an eight-game sample here that tells us they haven't even had a single above-average Mahomes Chiefs performance in eight games. And maybe it's okay. Maybe their defense is better and they can still win the Super Bowl like this. But I think that's a conversation worth having. This is not the same Chiefs offense we've seen in previous years with Patrick Mahomes. It's not even close uh, to the same offense. Again, still very good, still top 10. uh, But I think it's okay to be concerned about this group. So uh, not a single game this season is an above-average Mahomes game. Yeah? Correct. 
Guess who's currently top five in both success rate and e paper play among quarterbacks? No, 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 I, no, no. I'm not saying it's on Mahomes. I'm saying the team performance with Patrick Mahomes. So we have this sample yeah. of 102 games with Patrick Mahomes. So you have no, a baseline. What is it? Yeah, I know it's Mahomes. I, I just said I'm not arguing that it's that Patrick Mahomes is having a bad season. He's not. I'm saying you look at the offense compared to previous versions of this Chiefs offense, and it's not even close to the same. I said league wide. League wide, they're probably what sixth, seventh, eighth, right around there in most statistical categories. Yeah, I mean they're, they're fifth in offensive success rate. They're seventh in offensive e paper drive. They're uh, uh, they're fifth in offensive e paper dropback. Uh, it's an overall down year for offense, and the Chiefs are a little bit more down than they usually are. Superman's heat vision is only traveling like near the speed of light right now. Like that that's why for me like it's it the the reason why I can't get there with concerns about the Chiefs is it, it's it's obviously it's less about 2023 Mahomes and it's more about like 2019 through 2022 Mahomes where like he was so remarkably leaps and bounds better than every single quarterback all of the time. The, the the level at which he was QB1, unchallenged, lock it, throw away the key, was astonishing. And we were never capable of estimating that. We never did a good job. Even in like the heyday of every single Twitter account, every single Instagram account, posting every single Mahomes throw, 17 yards, no look behind the back, oh, crazy, no one else in the quarterback can do this. Even in that era of Mahomes, when he was a sensation, we still, we were underestimating him. We were undervaluing just how incredible he was. Such that this player, who has played eight below average games this year, eight of his lesser games, his worst games, remains one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best offenses in the league by any measure. And so, uh, all like all I'm hearing is like, all right, if he just regresses statistically, they're going to get better than they are on offense now and they're a top five unit? Like I, I, the the tenor of the offense has changed. The the perception of like the way it works is different than it was previously, and so you can talk about that as like sign of bad things to come, and like they're never going to be as explosive as they were. And sure, like they don't have Tyree Kill anymore. Travis Kelsey's like forty or something. He's thirty four. Like they're, they're 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 older than they were. They're they're not the same as they were. Okay, the fact that he can have eight below average games. Like I, I watched Joe Burrow have four, four below average games to start the season, and the Bengals' offense was putrid. Right, I watched Josh Allen have a below average game, and they lose to Zach Wilson. Mahomes has a below as eight below average games in a row, and they go six and two. He he is so ridiculously good that the relative measure, the only way to make this season look bad is to measure him against his previous selves. Measure him against anything else, and they're fine. They're great. But I, I'm not arguing that. Like I have no argument about Patrick Mahomes's performance dipping. It is not about him. To me, it's about the supporting cast. You don't have concern that this version of the Chiefs offense, if they have to win three games, let's say, against the Baltimore Ravens, against Captain Lou. Yeah, I'm going to make that a thing. Uh, and against I'm somebody else. the number of people who have signed <laughs> off on Captain Lou. It's terrible against, that you're taking this and, from me. And against that, can't you, I can just see a scenario where they lose in the playoffs and we go, yeah, because he's throwing to freaking Sky Moore and Justin Watson and MVS and Kadarius Tony's in like like this group is to me I don't know like, like it could happen they could but they're making it very hard on themselves harder than I think they needed to I do not like this supporting cast I think when you have Mahomes when you have Reed they can compensate for stuff but you know what the answer is always build the biggest baddest offense you can and I thought the Tyreek Hill trade was fine and last year guess what they traded Tyreek Hill and they had by far the best offense uh, in the NFL it wasn't even close it was one of the best versions of the Chiefs offense we've seen statistically that's not happening this year and so Again, as we count down uh, to the, like if they go into the rest of the season and the playoffs and I'm a Chiefs fan, I would be like, this is, this is really who we're surrounding our future Hall of Fame, perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time with in a season in his prime. That would be disappointing to me because they haven't shown through eight games that they can really uh, overcome that to play at an elite level. They can play at a very good level, but again, their bar is so high. Like if they don't win the Super Bowl, Chiefs fans are disappointed this year. It's different than almost every uh, other team. And I don't know that they're giving themselves the best chance to win a Super Bowl with the supporting cast they've put around. I, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. We're, we're talking about different things, talking about the same topic in different ways, because you're talking about like, hey, because the bar is here for the Chiefs, they might underperform. And for me, I'm saying because the bar is here for the Chiefs, 
we don't we can't even calibrate to them because it's so ludicrously high that we don't even know how to talk about like a below average Mahomes season when he's still six and two. And so it, it, the per, the perception of the Chiefs is just warped. Period because of the, what they've established for themselves. The 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 what, three AFC playoff games win three games in a row Super Bowl. Can I see them losing because of their uh, uh, receiver room? Absolutely, I can. If they lose that, I feel I feel so confident that will be why they lose if they lose. All right. I also. Three three postseason games in a row last season. I said the Chiefs might lose their game because they were playing multiple rookie corners, which is like an, an illegal thing to do in the postseason. And like a fourth rounder they had out there. I was like, all right, like you, you can't do this. And then they just did it. They did it over and over again, right? And, and uh, uh, there's so many different ways to lose playoff games, right? They lost the, the they lost the playoff game to the, the Buccaneers. The offensive line injuries. Like I, I I'm. I'm I'm not going to prognosticate how they lose their playoff games in January. Certainly right now, like what's the weakness of the Chiefs team is pass catchers. Nobody's acting like it's not pass catchers, but team like teams find ways to lose playoff games. But that's the most important part of their, that their, their passing game is the most important part of their team. Passing game is also part, part of most teams, brother. Yeah. And they're trying to do it with a group that is what a bottom five group in the entire NFL. Bottom 10, certainly is definitely below if, if average. We include Kelsey, I think it's tough to get them bottom five, but yeah. Okay. Why are they doing that? That that is my main point. Is like they tried that is the part to. that concerns second me. Second round pick on Sky Moore. Second round pick over Shea right. Rice. Trade a third round yeah. pick for Kadarius Tony. Trade back for Michael Hardman. Sign Marquez Valdez Scaling for Asia. They tried not to. They missed. Sometimes you miss. Well, why are the Bills going into every single postseason with no corner two opposite Tre'Davious White? They tried. Why are they going every postseason without a good pass rush plan? They tried. Like that's part of building a team. Is you miss sometimes. Yeah, I mean, with the Chiefs, I think, and this would take a longer conversation, I, th- I think you can take a longer look uh, at some of the use of resources. I mean, they signed Jawan Taylor to, what, $20 million a year uh, in the offseason to play right tackle uh, and some of the other. Uh, I would have to look at, you know, draft picks and do a deeper dive uh, on that. But I don't know. At, at this point, I, I feel like if I were a Chiefs fan, I would want them to take a big swing uh, and add to that room with something beyond Nicole Hardman. But we'll see. So, so you feel uh, you feel more confident in them than I like. Listen, they're still on the on the short list of Super Bowl contenders. There's no doubt about it. But to me, it's like you want to maximize the percentage chance that this team is going to win the Super Bowl. And I feel like how they've built it and the supporting cast they have right now and the way the offense has performed through the first eight games, I have concern about that. All right, let's take a break. Come back with more on Extra Point Take. All right, we are back on Extra Point Take. And this, this is weird for me. I've already, I've already like fired off two of my takes. I feel like I'm usually doing that second oh, one. Oh, shoot, like, it's my turn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're already back up. I mean, if your next take is, is another same topic, I don't know. This might be the shortest Extra Point taken uh, in our show's history. I think we'll solve that problem, no problem. Uh, my next take, second take, is brought to you by Hyundai today. Uh, you can do a lot from your phone, watch games, play with your fantasy teams, listen to us talk about football all day, and now with Blue Link Plus, you can access your Hyundai Tucson Limited remotely with just a few taps. Unlock your doors, set the temp, and more all from your phone. Get complimentary, class-leading Blue Link Plus. It's just another way owning a Hyundai Tucson Limited is more convenient than ever. Shilk, take number two is this. Last week, we you and I were excited about the Rams. Seventh seed, baby. Oh. Good, oh. good looks in the NFC. Plucky team. Here we go. One Matthew Stafford thumb injury, and the arrow <laughs> is flipped. I'm very worried about the Rams. Uh, no, the Rams got, like, you know, the front door kicked in early against the Cowboys a little bit. That game just got out of hand so quickly because of turnovers that it was tough for them to fight their way back in. Honestly, like, the Cowboys kind of let them hang around, and it's a two-score game in the second half, whatever. Like, it, it, the score and the, the uh, script of the game made things look worse than they were, but the real bad news was that Matthew Stafford uh, sprained his UCL. It's a joint in your thumb. It's on his throwing hand, and now he's considered day-to-day, but also, like, the Rams tried to add John Walford into their roster, and John Walford said, no, I'm cool just chilling on the Bucks practice squad, which is a hilarious thing. Not important, but very funny to me. Uh, Day-to-day, they've talked about uh, how long they might potentially need to shelf him. Brett Rippon is the backup there. And when Brett Rippon goes into the game, you remember, oh, shoot, the Rams have no 
young plan right now at quarterback. They tried to have a young plan at, at quarterback. The Rams drafted actually quite early in the 2023 NFL draft. Stetson Bennett, who is the, the uh, national champion winning quarterback of Georgia. He was a fourth round pick for them, which is a lot earlier than people thought he would go. Uh, and they were very excited about him. They're like, we really like Stetson. Uh, we want him to kind of be a plan for us as a young quarterback. When you and I talked about the Rams in the, in the preseason show, we would talk a lot about like, all right, if Stafford's healthy, cool, good, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, do some stuff. Stafford is coming is becoming off of back injuries, coming off of elbow injuries. There's a chance he's just not healthy at all. And the Rams reportedly had done some work on potentially trading him, moving off of the contract. In the world in which like Stafford starts the season and and he's he's injured and he's not healthy, the Rams are really interested in a bad spot, young young player wise, young quarterback wise. I was on their under for team wins this season. Uh, and Stetson Bennett might be somebody who gets some reps. Bennett had a, a, an odd process with the Rams. There's not a lot of clarity on, on what's going on with Bennett. Uh, McVeigh said this week that they don't expect Bennett to be with the team at all this year. He was kind of a, a, a put on, I think he was put on the, the exempt list. He was kind not, of non football illness list. Yeah, an NFI officially. list. So. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with Stetson. We obviously hope everything's good there. But Bennett's not going to be available for them. Rippin's a guy who's been around in the league. They really don't have a, a, a young quarterback option, which means like this Rams season is kind of pot committed, right? The chips are in the middle. Like you, your 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 young development thing didn't really happen because you're, some of your young guys, like Byron Young, the pass rusher, Puka Nakua, just walked in and were good right away. Like you didn't really have to deal with the young development thing. They just happened. Yeah. And you don't have a young quarterback. And so... Every game that they miss with Stafford, they just fall further and further back in what's a competitive NFC West and a fairly competitive NFC field. They're probably not going to be a playoff team. Once Stafford comes back, they're not really going to be able to justify playing Rippin over him because Rippin's not really the future of the team. And if they continue to lose and lose and lose games, the Rams right now have the ninth overall selection. And so last week, we were talking about the Rams like sneaky seven seed. Right now, I'm talking about Rams as sneaky seven overall pick. Like we have flip this thing on its head. And the Rams are, are a team to watch at the deadline, in my opinion, to acquire a young quarterback. I don't think that, you know, a, a Trey Lance or, or Malik Willis trade would like absolutely blow my mind. We don't really know the long-term thing for Stafford, but I'll tell you, thumb injury on the throwing hand does not feel like the sort of thing for me where you're off for a week and then you're fine. That feels like the sort of thing that affects your play long-term. I think it's important the Rams get a young quarterback on the roster now, if they can, uh, off of waivers somewhere and kind of maybe kick the tires on a guy. And if they aren't able to do that, the Rams, to me, are, are are going very quickly from like, Stafford's healthy, we can keep doing this, to like, it might be time to go get that young quarterback at the top of the 2024 draft now. I mean, that was kind of the theme of Week 8, in a way, wasn't it? With, with some yeah. of these teams, you know, like the Vikings are probably, it's like the exact same thing with the Vikings. Yeah, I was, you know, before the season, it was, well, is Stafford, 35-year-old Stafford, going to be able to stay healthy, coming off a back injury, playing behind that offensive line? And man, when he played... Oh, he looks so, so good. And he was making unbelievable throws. Early in that game, I was like, yo, Dak and Stafford are shredding. We're in for a classic. And then yeah. the Cowboys had like two immediate turnover touchdowns and Stafford hurt his thumb. And then the Rams threw the Philly special to him, by the way. The Rams that threw a two-point conversion, 2-2 two, two Atwell Philly special to their quarterback who had a wrapped thumb. They knew he had an injury. He had to adjust and die for it. What are you doing? Not important, but very funny. Well, I think it is important. McVeigh, I think, said that that's kind of when he really injured the thumb. Like, it was kind of injured before, and then on that two-point try, that was like I where it really that. got... Is that really? Yeah, yeah oh, no, that's goodness. true. Yeah, I think Jordan Rodriguez, the athletic, I think had that. That's when he, like, legitimately hurt it uh, even more. Now, I know you you go into each game with only so many two-point tries, but, man, that that is rough to lose a quarterback uh, on that play there. So, we'll see. I mean, it sounded like McVay today was painting a picture of this isn't quite as bad as we thought it was going to be. So, we will see. I'm with you when I see thumb injury on throwing hand. I'm like, that. even if a guy does play, uh, it's going to affect him. Now, Matthew Stafford has played through all kinds of things. Uh, so, we'll see what it looks like. But, yeah, that was, I was kind of like, oh, you know, reviewing stuff today. I'm like, I, I, the Rams just could be done. They're three and five. And if the quarterback's injured, uh, their season's going to be over. So, we just have to kind of wait and see there. But you're right. I think a lot of these teams were kind of on the fence here. You know, what do we do at the trade deadline? The, the Titans were another one. The Titans win a game. And now, does that make them less likely to move people? The Vikings, 
really were playing well. I mean, the Vikings really, I would have been ready yeah. for a Vikings are making the playoffs take, I think, if Kirk Cousins When stayed the healthy. Vikings were two and four, I got into it with Steven a little bit. And I was like, the Vikings, you really like the Vikings? He's like, yeah, I kind of like the Vikings. I was like, Vikings aren't going to win more than six and a half games. And I was, we were going to like put a bet on it. We never followed it up. And then they won two games and Kirk got hurt. And I was like, all right, wow, that's a roller coaster for that conversation. Yeah, I mean, their offense was uh, was really playing well. Uh, so that's another one there. And yet you just have kind of all these, te- a lot of these teams and sort of that that middle ground where you're not sure which way uh, which way they're going to go, where that that will should could make for an interesting trade deadline. But I'm with you on the Rams. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a bummer if Stafford is going to be out for a while. Uh, if he's healthy, they still have a chance, I think, at three and five. But um, right now, we don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. And I don't know what the future looks like for them either. Yeah. Well, once again, today's extra point taken was brought to you by Hyundai. Get complimentary class-leading Blue Link Plus with your Hyundai Tucson Limited to make things more convenient than ever. Lock or unlock the door, set the temp, locate your car, and more, all from your phone. Learn more about the new Tucson and Blue Link Plus at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603-SHIELD for complete details. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you to Hyundai. All right. I am up here with the third take. Ben, it's too early. It's too early in the show. This double Chiefs thing threw me off. I feel like I need to wait. All right, but I've got an overflow of takes. We'll just do an extra point taken for 20 minutes. I always walk into the show with like six takes that I pick the ones I'm going to do as we go. So I got extra. Don't worry about it. Me too. All right. Now, uh, I want the audience to know, let the record show that I sent Ben a message earlier today. Oh, I forgot about this. I said... Are you doing anything on the Falcons? Because I feel like we got to talk about the Falcons at some point in the show. The people will demand it. We, we had a nice big debate last week, and now there's news about the Falcons. And Solak was like, I don't really think I got anything on the Falcons. I know he's got something on the Falcons, but I'm going to come in with the Falcons take and he can respond. I wonder if he might agree with me on this. I don't know because this isn't you know specific to one Desmond Ritter. All right, my take on the Falcons is... Your boy already needs to figure out what he wants. I mean, I don't even know how many people followed this because I feel like this is one of those stories that's big in our little football circles, but most people are like, oh yeah, Chiefs, Mahal, you know, they're like, we we aren't paying attention to Falcons, uh, Titans, other than those Will Levis highlights. So let me give you some background, okay? The Falcons lose to the Titans on Sunday. Taylor Heineke replaces Desmond Ritter in the second half. According to all the reporting, and this is from The Athletic, The team wanted Ritter to be evaluated for a concussion during the game. Ritter said he couldn't think of a hit or a play that would warrant being tested for a concussion, but he said, you know what, I defer to the coaches. Uh, If they thought something was up, I'm I'm glad they uh, flagged it and had me go through the testing. He clears concussion protocol and was good to go in the third quarter. But Arthur Smith, stuck with Taylor Heineke, uh, said after the game, they just wanted to be cautious. And he said he did not take Ritter out because of performance issues. Okay, little strange, but that's fine. Monday, when asked if Ritter would start if cleared medically, Smith said, and I quote, I have to see where he's at. That's the best I can give you. I have to see if that's the best thing for this team this week. Obviously, it's not something I'm concerned about long-term. He's done a lot of good things. We have to find a way to go win this game. If it's Taylor, that's what we'll do. Okay, so again, still a little confusing there. Uh, It was just last Thursday, Ben, that Arthur Smith, I don't know if this crossed your eyeballs, was asked why he thinks Ritter is getting criticized more than other quarterbacks. Oh, no, I saw this. And and he attributed it to, quote, toxic groupthink, unquote, from people who don't watch the film. All right. I don't know where this leaves us. So like, okay, I wish I could tell you exactly what's going on. Every time I watch an Arthur Smith quote or read a quote or see something from his press conference, I become more and more confused. It seems like nobody seems to know what's going on with his decision making. Maybe it's as simple as he's benching Ritter and he doesn't want to say that. I feel like you could probably say, say that. If he was sticking with Ritter, it would be a very easy, yes, as long as he's healthy, he'll start, but we have to make sure he's healthy. Again, Arthur Smith did not say that. He left the door open for Taylor Heineke to start this game uh, on Sunday uh, against the Vikings, regardless of whether Ritter is healthy or not. So zooming out and looking at Arthur Smith, I think he's a good offensive coach. There's no doubt about it, but The Falcons this year are 24th in offensive DVOA, okay? They have faced the easiest schedule in the NFL, and they are 4-4. and They are 18-24 and in three seasons with Arthur Smith. The team is worse offensively this year than it was last year with Marcus Mariota. So 
I don't know what this season is about for Arthur Smith. Is it about getting an evaluation on Desmond Ritter so that you can plan your future? Is it about making the playoffs because every NFL head coach wants to win? And as Solak will always remind us, you also got to keep your job is a good thing. Is it about that? What's the plan for 2024 and beyond? Because I have no idea what it is, and I don't think there's a high ceiling uh, for this year's team, even though they very easily could win the division as Solek has predicted. So I'm just very confused by what your boy Arthur Smith wants, what he's trying to accomplish, what he's doing with Ritter and Heineke, really how this organization operates. Remember, this was an organization that was pretty much going all in for Deshaun Watson when he was available, short of offering him that full guaranteed contract, but they haven't really gone after any other quarterbacks uh, since then. All right, so I know that was a lot. I don't yeah. know what your boy wants. What does your boy want? What do you make of this situation? All right. You keep you keep saying your boy, Arthur Smith. <laughs> your boy, your boy, your boy. Shield, I need <laughs> listeners, like listeners don't. They they always I need people to listen critically to this show. Like, don't listen to it for the enjoyment. Like, oh, I have fun listening to Ben and Shield. Don't listen, listen to how, it for the enjoyment. How successful like Shield always like pivots me and posits me, like, oh, the, the here comes Ben the hamster with your boy Arthur Smith. Like everything that's wrong in the world is like, let's put Ben right next to that. So it's just sneaky. Oh, sneaky Shield. Arthur Smith <laughs> is my boy from a schematic. <laughs> Football coaching play executing perspective. I would like to thoroughly and resoundingly disavow Arthur Smith, the man behind the podium. I have never <laughs> once endorsed this individual and I never will. Not mine. Not my boy. Don't like what he does. Out on Arthur Smith, the politician, the PR guy. It, this is such a classic like, okay, like the number one job is keep the job. Number, one, number two job is win games. If you want to do the jobs, a really good way to do the jobs well is to not be at constant war with the people that you talk to publicly, which Arthur Smith has just decided to be. Stop treating reporters like this. Like, and I'm, this isn't even like a Ben is a reporter take. This is like a don't be mean to people take. Like, he's just very pugnacious up there by the podium. So you inherently invite questions like, did you bench debt? Like, you're, of course you're going to get asked this. No Very what. reasonable like, questions. He, yeah. He you know, bristles when you ask this. And so, yeah, your, your responses are now going to be framed like in, in, in a, in a pugnacious light in a negative light, because you have put yourself opposite the people asking them, right? You are bringing this on yourself, dude. B. Sean Robinson was sick. So we didn't yeah, play. Him. We that's put him another at the one. End of the games. We wanted to give it a go. Bang. We thought Desmond Ritter had a concussion. He was cleared. I'm really worried about concussions. I don't want to get into a situation where we were wrong. So we didn't play him for the second half. Uh, okay, who's going to start it on on Sunday? Ask me Wednesday. I'll know for sure. Ah, that's it. Go home. He like he seems like he seems like he got to Atlanta and the head of Atlanta PR was like, "All right, so you're going to do your opening press conference." He was like, "Wait, I have to talk to people when I'm here." Did no one warn you? This is part of the job. It's it, it's. It's, it, it invites so much more attention and so much more ire than is necessary. I never planned on being like knight in shining falcon armor <laughs> defending this team. I just like kind of like them. I like their scheme. I like that they're big. I like that they're tough and physical. I think they're going to win the South. But there's so much visibility on them because he behaves like this. Specifically on Ritter and Heineke. Ritter's playing the first half the same way he's been playing the rest of the game. He's making good throws, makes tough throws, and he takes sacks in the pocket, and he fumbles the ball. The fumble, dude, he's got, like, both hands on the ball, climbing the pocket. Jeffrey Simmons is, like, falling over next to him and just, like, reaches out and slaps it. Ritter needs to be doing, you know, those grip strength things, the, like, the, the hand exercise? He needs some of those in the offseason. This guy cannot hold on to the football. He gets batted on one hand, he loses it. So you get the fumble, and then second half comes out. Heineke plays the same way. Like Heineke did what he does in Washington. He's gritty, and he makes tough throws. He makes aggressive throws, throwing to tight windows. He had a nice ball on, on, on a would-be touchdown, or no, on the touchdown to Scotty Miller. Uh, like makes some escapes. Like Ritter had like a 20 20-yard 20 run in this game. He had like a 15-yard run in this game. They're largely the same quarterback. Like if you take Ritter out and put Heineke in for the rest of the season, I'm still going to think the Falcons are going to win the division and go 10-7. and Because like I like what they are offensively. I like what they are defensively. I will say... Grady Jarrett injury sucks. Yeah. Really sucks. That was the best player on defense. And so for those of us holding Falcons going to be a playoff team 
takes and tickets. The Grady Jarrett, like the the big narrative coming out of the game is like, oh, do they bench Ritter? The big thing for me out of that game is they lost Grady Jarrett. That's that's a difference maker up front and a difference maker for a defense that doesn't have a lot of them. Uh, and so that that injury is a big deal. But still, like I would like the Falcons, Ritter or Heineke. There's just no reason to manage your team this way media wise. Like it, it, you're just creating headaches for yourself. Make less headaches. Being a football head coach already has a lot of headaches. Make fewer headaches for yourself. Don't do this. And also don't make me look bad. And also don't let Sheil then be like, oh, your boy Arthur Smith and put me next to you with this behavior. This is all about me and my podcasting experience. And it's made negative by this. So stop doing it. I, I think you just gave expats an idea when you said put me next to Arthur Smith. Maybe some photoshopping opportunities. Listen, I'm not one to tell our audience what to do. Okay. Yes, you are. You do it all the time. That's true. Everybody's calling him Captain Lou now because yeah. you did it. That is true. I do like to tell people what to do. Uh, yeah. So do you think, was Desmond Ritter benched in the second half? Was it Desmond Ritter? Let's test him for a concussion. But even though he's cleared, Heineke's in there. Let's not take a chance and leave Heineke. Like, wh- what happened in that game? I think Smith wanted to take a look at what the offense would look like with Heineke and thinks that he is the cleverest boy and no one would notice if he was like, yeah, Desmond has one of those concussion things I've heard about. Really? Do you really think that? Because that's something. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I mean... Yeah, I do think that Ritter got flagged by the protocol. I don't think that's like, like he like gamed the protocol or anything. Right. I do think Ritter got flagged by the protocol, but I think that that Smith said, all right, well, we'll put Heineke out there for the second half. And as the guy Ritter's clear, he's like, all right, well, we're just going to leave Heineke out there for the second half. So I want to see what it looks like with Heineke. Uh, the, the, the guy who manages his running back rotation between Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson in that way, when he invested in Bijan the way that he did and then has Algier as, as that sort of player, is going to approach quarterbacking the same way. Like this offense that he runs, which is a derivative of the Shanahan offense, it's a QB joystick offense. It's a dance puppet offense. It's a you move where I tell you to move offense. He's not he in the same thing, the same way with Kyle Shanahan. They're not going to be like, oh, no, my precious quarterback. They're going to be like, you ruined my offense by yeah. not doing exactly what I wanted you to do. So I absolutely think that he saw a window to take uh, a look at Heineke for a half and he took it. I also think that, yeah, on Wednesday, he's going to come out and say Desmond Ritter is going to be our starter. Oh, you do? Okay. After the game, they asked Heineke, like, what's up? And he's like, well, it's Desmond's team. Yeah, but he's just being like a pro and a good, you can't come out and be like, it's my team now. Oh, baby, did you see what I did in the second half? <laughs> and he doesn't know what the coach is thinking. No one knows what the coach is thinking. So he has to say that. So I don't put too much stock into what Heineke says. If Smith comes out and says we're, uh, uh, Ritter's healthy, but we're starting Heineke a week after saying that people need to watch film on Ritter because it's toxic group thing, which I kind of agreed with that one at the time, if we're being honest. Uh, <laughs> Again, birds of a feather. That's a lot of egg on the face there for Artie. A lot of egg in the mustache on that one. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think pride-wise, he might keep Ritter out there for a little bit. And I don't think that'd be a bad decision because I don't think Ritter is like a net negative on the team. He has to get over the turnovers. And if he's going to get over them, he's going to have to play. Like that, like ball security is going to come from being out there and, and being better at managing the pocket, interceptions, being able to manage game flow. Like you got to put him out there. If you play Heineke, I think you're going to go 9-8 and, and lose in the first round. If you play Ritter, I think you're going to go 9-8 and, and lose in the first round. With Ritter, you have more of a chance to find something better, to find something that's like meaningful year over year. And so I think you got to go that direction. But who freaking knows at this point? It's an exhausting team. I'm so done talking about them. Go Birds. Yeah, the timing was uh, just so weird. Like Ritter's had bad games previously. I mean, they scored, what, six and seven points. He stuck with him. He was loyal with him. And then after this, I mean, this they had, what, four possessions in the first half or something like that. And then to make the change. But then it's also weird to have the, oh, we noticed the concussion right at halftime. You know, it just happened to be, we noticed it right at halftime. And all right, now uh, Heineke's coming out in the second half. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I agree with you. We've probably committed way too much time to talking about, like I told you, a sort of boring, irrelevant uh, four and four team. But you're right. He does kind of make them relevant with some of these weird, vague, he could just be more more straightforward uh, and more boring and we would get a better sense of it. And just nicer. Just don't bristle people. I will say, I don't know. Like, like there. listen, there could be a scenario where he takes the beat writers off the record afterwards. and But that's not coming through in any of the reporting. So yeah, you're probably... You're pro- toxic groupthink in reference to like football is is objectively funny though. It's always with coaches. <laughs> Calm like, down. Right. It's only football. It's, uh, I always want to be like, all right, where did you hear the phrase toxic groupthink? And, 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 and what... What were you reading or watching that brought you that phrase and you thought that'd be fun to use in a football context? That's always my question. It's like, who taught you that and why do you think it applies here? Why do I have a feeling the phrase toxic group think is is going to become a regular one uttered on the show for the rest of the season? 
FedEx boy has just got to relax up there. Okay, you can't be oh you can't boy. be out there talking oh cash money when we can all, all right, Google all right. and find out that your dad runs <laughs> okay. FedEx. Okay, chill out. Oh boy. All right, I better move on. I don't want so like to get fired here. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on extra point take. All right. We are back on extra point taken. All right, we'll do a little, a little Falcons more. But some, something actually happened this week. That's why I felt like we should talk about them. If, if oh, nothing yeah, yeah, happens, sure. always that, innocent shield, honest shield. Like, oh, it just because something happened. After every loss, she has something to say about the Falcons. After every win, that's mom, not true. Mom's the word. That that's not true. I've been going easy on them. All right, your third point. What do you got? The Zach Wilson la- trap is laid. Do not spring it. Don't you dare. This is a warning to everybody. I have seen the beginnings of it, Sheil. I have. I will not Wait, wait. The Zach Wilson what? What? The Zach Wilson trap has been laid. Okay. Okay. Do not spring it. Do not step in. I have seen the the beginnings of it. I have seen people with legitimacy, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, be like, Zach Wilson's playing better. Zach Wilson's improving. I will not have it. No, 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 no. We did this. Last year, okay? Last year, he stepped in, 2022, and he started playing, and the Jets were winning some games, and like, oh, he had a, you know, they, they beat the Packers, and they beat the Broncos, and he like only took three sacks and didn't throw any interceptions. And we, and Robert Sala was up at the podium being like, as so long as Zach throws the football away when we ask him to throw the football away, we'll win. Like, that was the bar that they had to clear. People were like, oh, Zach Wilson's turning a corner. Like, look at Zach managing the game. And then he ran to the Patriots. He threw three picks. And he ran to the Patriots again. He took 19 sacks and he got injured. And then Mike White and then whatever. We, we've already seen this. We, we know who Zach Wilson is. Absolutely. Over time, the more quarterback plays, the better they get. But we understand the framework of this quarterback. We know what family he is in of quarterbacking. He is a risk-prone, turnover-prone, sack-prone, inaccurate quarterback who occasionally plays you pays you off with enough big plays to score, but not enough to equal the scales, right? On the Jameis spectrum of like, I am either having the greatest play alive or the worst play alive. He has too many of the worst plays alive and not enough of the greatest plays alive to justify and, and, and to attribute offensive success to him. The Jets beat the Giants with... Uh, a turnover differential of two to nothing. They had uh, four yards per play and they punted at least 10 times. They are the second team in NFL history to win a game with four or yards or less per, per play on offense with a turnover differential, differential two nothing or worse and with at least 10 punts. This was not a game in which the Jets offense worked. This was not a game in which the Jets passing game worked. Upcoming, Shield. The Jets play the Chargers, which is the fourth worst defense in the league defending the pass. The week after that, they play the Raiders, which is the ninth worst defense in the league defending the pass. Both of these games are primetime games. One is Monday Night Football. The other is Sunday Night Football. Zach Wilson is going to play in front of the country against bad pass defenses and look not terrible. And at that time, someone is going to tell you that he might be getting better. And he could be the starter for the rest of the season. And the Jets are going to go to the postseason. And he's the future starter after Aaron Rodgers retires. Whatever. No. No. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. It's not happening. Stop believing it's happening. Don't fall for the Zach Wilson bait. I don't think he's going to play well against those bad pass defenses. And I don't think there are going to be a lot of people telling me uh, any of those things about Zach Wilson's future. I did not even know. That this was a thing. I'll throw one more. Uh, since you were throwing out some, some, this was a very unlikely win numbers. Uh, there were 242 offensive performances this season. The Jets' offensive performance on Sunday against the Giants ranked 224th. The 18 teams that were worse this year, they all lost. I mean, come on. We, we all watched that game. I mean, th- they were terrible. Their offense stunk. In that game, chill. They were going. They were. They were Graham Gano. I just Twitter searched Zach Wilson. That's all I did. Rex Ryan on ESPN. He's maturing right in front of our eyes, and at the biggest moment, he was at his best. Uh, Albert oh Breer. Zach Wilson's growth keeps showing up when it matters most. And if you look at the AFC East standings, what? the Jets' quarterback is making a huge difference. 
This is what it. Is happening? This is what you're going to get what? on the internet, man. Because <laughs> you act like I'm crazy. This is happening. I mean, I was ready to rip you for having a take that, but you're, you're citing sources, so I can't even... I'm I, I'm happy for Jets. It's good for Jets fans. Their season was stolen from them. They're getting these unlikely wins. They're four and three. They have nothing to apologize for. However, we as people who are trying to evaluate these teams, I mean, come on, the Giants game, the Eagles game, the Bill. I mean, they are stealing these victories at the end, and in most cases, they have absolutely nothing to do with the quarterback, and they are overcoming the quarterback's play. I mean, that's what I watched in that game. What were they, 0 for 13 on third down or something until that last one uh, that he converted there? Yes, he did make a couple plays down the stretch in 99 out of 100 scenarios. He has not given that opportunity. We're talking about the Jets having lost to a Giants team quarterbacked by Tommy DeVito and and Zach Wilson. No one is mentioning anything about positive uh, about Zach Wilson uh, today. So uh, I don't think, I mean, that is interesting, though. You did mention those defenses coming up by Chargers. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Shield. He has Raiders. the Chargers on Monday Night Football. He's going to throw for 200 yards, a score, take three sacks, and then they're going to win <laughs> 15 to 11 or something disgusting. Some scoregami that you sneer at, which, by the way, there was scoregami this week. Thank you. Everybody tweeted that at me. So I have you to thank for that. I mean, excellent. Tweeted left and right. At least, yeah. at least. I've scored one point on like listeners gang up on one of us. And the, the score is like 272 to three. That's one of my points. I'm telling you that he's going to look fine against the Chargers. And it's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be a thing. And I just want everyone in the extra point taken umbrella to know this is a safe space where we'll be honest with you about Zach Wilson, who like at this point is like probably like a fine backup because he can make throws and he can like, would you even say fine? I mean, when no, you were I talking earlier, really, I'm, I'm like, just I, I, I don't even feel think he's a fine he's backup. A fine backup. Yeah. I just feel horrible. Yeah, I, I don't think he's him. a fine backup. It's not yeah. a good situation. No, he is 31st in success rate. 31st in EPA, uh, in EPA per pass play. Not that you need really fancy stats. Uh, you all have watched this man play football. Uh, their offense stinks. It's, it's 30th and 32nd. He has been the quarterback. There were 24 combined punts, I think, in that football. They beat a, they beat a team that threw for negative nine passing yards. Chill, chill, What chill, are we talking chill, about chill. here? I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But here we are. All right. This has been your most convincing argument that I should be more online. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm online plenty that I that I need to be. But I'll, I'll say not, uh, not seeing those conversations. I do feel a little uh, regret over that. All right. I am up on the extra point taken. I'm going to rapid fire some headlines here, Solak, and I want to talk about them because it was a newsy day sort of uh, around the NFL. And then if we have any leftover takes, we can just fire them off here as well. Why not? We can improvise. It's a, it's a loose structure that we have on extra point taken. All right, let's get to the trade that's already happened. Giants trade Leonard Williams to the Seattle Seahawks for a 2024 second and a 2024 fifth. According to ESPN, uh, the Giants are taking on most of Leonard Williams' 2023 salary. I think that's a nice job by the Giants. They're essentially paying for a draft pick here. They're saying, give us more draft compensation and we will pay uh, his salary here, which I think that's good. I mean, who wants who wants their owners to save more money? Like, who cares about that? Williams is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So to get a second round pick and then uh, a day three pick for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Honestly, if you would have asked me three days ago, what would the compensation be for Leonard Williams? I would have said it with that. You're, you're no way you're getting uh, a second round yeah. pick for a guy who's only playing half the season. So I thought that was a good job by the Giants, uh, just knowing kind of where they are this season and as a franchise. And for the Seahawks, I get it. You want to be aggressive. I don't think I would have done that deal for a second, for a half-year rental. I don't think it's egregious. You know, they're in first place in the NFC West. They want to add a talented defensive line. So basically, I think it's fine. I don't think I would have done it from the Seahawks' perspective. From the Giants' perspective, I think it's pretty much uh, a no-brainer. What are your thoughts on the deal? I do think that the second round was what it was because the Giants are eating a lot of the cap space from it. Yes, uh, definitely. This from, this from Field Yates. Uh, the Giants paid uh, Leonard Williams about nine and a half million in a signing bonus today, right? And that's why, like, it had to be done today. So that 
transaction that change signing bonus could process by 4 p.m. You can't do it tomorrow because then you'd be too late to trade him. The field has it as uh, the Seahawks owing him just 650000 for the rest of the season. Um, so right. if like the, the, the Seahawks had to carry that $10 million cap hit and it was like a three and a five, I don't think anybody's like, I right, like, yeah, like that's for like, you know, like a, 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 you know, four, a three and a future four, like a, but that would make sense for Williams that like tracks, but I think that the price went up so the Seahawks could keep the cap space and, and, and make sure the giants took it, which I think adds the value to the Seahawks trade. I don't know if, how doable this was for them. Uh, if they weren't able to get the giants to take the cap. And I, I do think like Gi- giants, it's very clearly good. You're not good right now. Leonard is an, as a, as a player who's not probably in your long-term plans as much. You don't really maximize him. Send him. That's probably great for the Seahawks. I like it, I think a little bit more than you do in terms of a like the getting it done cap wise. I don't mind sending the spec uh, spending spending the second too much. And then uh, what really impressed me was like the Seahawks are are one of the best defenses in the league right now by by a lot of metrics. And against the run in particular, they're first. When you watch them and when you look at their players, you're like, how how are you doing this? Explain yourselves, right? It, it, oftentimes when teams are really succeeding, like they're getting great play right now of like Jaron Reed and Boye Mafe, oftentimes those teams won't make additions because they'll be like, yeah, we can keep doing this forever, and you probably can't. And so I'm impressed that the Seahawks, I think, knew they were punching above their weight along the defensive line a little bit and said, we can still make an addition, make a move, and and keep this run defense working at a high level. But if we just stay with the current personnel, we're probably not going to sustain this. That's that's impressive self-awareness for me. I I, I like that the Seahawks made that, that, that change. And he definitely has upside. I mean, this is a guy who had, what, 11 and a half sacks a few years ago, only one and a half this year. But yeah, he could be someone who in a month from now, I'm saying, well, I was wrong. You definitely give up. Again, I don't think it's egregious. I think it's fine. Um, it was a little bit yeah. more than I anticipated. But you're right. The money is is the huge factor in there. Yeah. Ochenna Nwosu, uh, who's their star outside roster, not necessarily like a household name, but a, a good player, uh, plays on injured reserve this week before the Browns game. Nuosu, they, they expect it to be a season-ending uh, season surgery for him. That really blows. Uh, and so getting a guy like Leonard Williams in, like it's not the same position, but at least you get a guy who, quote-unquote, is star talent, right? Is like upper-tier talent. I don't think Leonard is that dude anymore. Um, but it, like losing Nuosu was a big, big, big blow. And I think that Leonard softens that quite a bit. All right, next headline. Kirk Cousins officially out for the season with an Achilles. You talked about the Vikings, was it last week? Maybe two weeks ago. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. At some point on one of these shows. Uh, what do you think the Vikings should do? And what do you think they they will do? Should they give up like a day three pick for some type of, I don't know, I was thinking maybe like an anti Andy Dalton. Would you give up like a, a fourth round pick for Andy Dalton from Carolina and say, hey, let's you know be competitive this season and try to uh, make the playoffs? Or do you just go the total opposite way and say, you know what? It's not our year. Jefferson's out. We lost Cousins. Anyone want Daniil Hunter? Anyone want Jordan Hicks? Let's just move on um, and build draft capital for the future. What do you think? I think you go the opposite way. I think Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who's their uh, general manager, is about the most analytics GM that there is in the league. Like even like Howie, Andrew Barry, like he's up there. Accordingly, I would imagine that they want to go more of the long-term uh, view in the room. And, and say we're going to uh, accumulate draft picks. Maybe we're going to sell a little bit of talent and we're going to be prepared for, for making a big swing in the 2024 draft. I also think that's the better way to do it. What, is a, what does eight games of Andy do for you, of Dalton? What does eight games of Jameis do? I'd much rather potentially acquire a younger guy. I test-ballooned Trey Lance, go, go get him from the Cowboys in, in my column earlier, earlier this week. I know they were... The reason I put that in there is because we know they were sniffing around him previously, so why wouldn't they do it again? Right. Uh, look at Trey Lance for nine games. And you're like, all right, well, Trey Lance probably isn't going to be anything good. Probably, but no one's ever looked at him for nine games in the NFL. He hasn't played that many. Like, you actually have a, yeah. have a chance to see something. Malik Will, same thing. I, I'd be more inclined, same thing with the Rams, to kind of go get a young guy and see what he looks like over the end of the season. You have enough young building blocks in place offensively. Jordan Addison has looked nice. Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson on contract. Offensive line absolutely has some problems, um, but We've talked about this this unit before. Uh, Brian O'Neill, Ezra Cleveland. There's likable talent there. They, the Vikings, if let's say they get to the offseason and they're picking in the top 10 and they're are sniffing around the, the rookie quarterback class, we're going to sit down and say, this is a really good environment to develop a rookie. Kevin O'Connell's clearly got some good students. He's got yeah. the stuff and they, they have the wide receiver talent and the offensive line talent to hang. Uh, and so I wouldn't 
be spending resources to maybe get Andy to maybe go nine and eight to do that. I'd want to hold that fourth round pick to sweeten the pot for when I move up from 11 to three and I go get my guy. It really is. Uh, yeah, their team, if they kind of go in the tank this year, it really could be a short stint here. We're talking nine, 10 weeks where you have no hope, but man, if you get a quarterback in there, you're, yeah, they've got two good, they've got two good tackles. They've got good wide receivers. Uh, they've got a tight end. Uh, and the coach, yeah, Kevin O'Connell's done a good job with the offense this year. All right. This one, I don't know if this was even on your radar. Cardinals bench, Josh Dobbs. Oh, yeah. This is on your radar and are preparing to start Browns Cl- minus eight. Clayton Toon. Browns minus eight real quick. <laughs> you watch any Clayton, Clayton Toon film? Toon. Put on some Clayton Toon film. Just take Browns minus eight real quick. What is going on here? I mean, I know Dobbs isn't perfect. What, what were you expecting from your quarterback situation? He's been 23rd statistically, success rate, EPA per play. He's also run for like 260 yards. He gives you that kind of aspect to add uh, to your offense. I'm not saying he's great, but again, you really think Clayton Toon is going to come in and outperform him. By the way, Ben, we've talked about before, the offense has overachieved. That defense stinks. That defense is 31st in DVOA. That defense is the reason uh, they've lost all these games more so than the offense, which has kept them relatively competitive. So I don't get that one at all, replacing Josh Dobbs with Clayton Toon. And again, we don't know when Kyler Murray will be back on the field. Gannon says after the right after the game on Sunday, Dobbs is starting next week. Yep. And then on Monday, he says, no, 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 it's going to be Clayton too. Because of that exact interaction where it was 24 hours ago, Dobbs, because Kyler's not ready. And then uh, 24 hours later, it's Toon. This reeks of ownership to me. Like this, this is this 100% like to me feels like ownership being like, oh, I don't want to watch Josh Dobbs anymore. He's not good enough. I want to watch Clayton Toon. And he's like, all right, uh, I guess we're doing that then. Uh, even if you were to want to take a look at Clayton Toon as a potential future guy for you, you wouldn't make his first start the Browns, would you? If you're right. doing this from Good a point. football ops perspective, we want to see what the rookie has for a few games. You're not giving his first game against Jim Schwartz and the Browns defense. The young man's going to die. Like this is this is not safe work environment. That's terrifying stuff. Uh, I think we see Tune for exactly one game. I think Kyler starts against the Cardinals or against the uh, Falcons. Excuse me. Uh, uh, to me, this is this is this came from on high. This didn't come from a football perspective, and we're going to look back on it as a blip and as a nice, nice, uh, nice trivia note. We're going to sit back in ten years. Like, remember that one Cardinals season where they started Josh Jobs the whole time, and then Clayton Tune for a game. Yeah, that, that'll be a that'll be a fun note. Yeah, I was trying to think. Well, is, are they going to trade Josh Dobbs? Maybe that's why. But uh, that has not happened so far here. All right, those were my headlines from Monday in the NFL. Is there anything else you need to get off your chest before we say goodbye, or are you saving it for our Friday show? Devonte Adams, Metropolitan Las Vegas, separate the two. That's my whole agenda <laughs> for the next seventeen hours, fifteen hours. I agree. It is a bummer watching these great players just be on irrelevant teams, uh, especially Devontae Adams. He's, what, 30 years old. So, um, you know, you want to maximize ooh, ooh, this part. Oh, man, dude, we have semi-breaking news. And the 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 moment the, the deadline ends, Jeremy Fowler just okay. tweeted that Bears corner Jalen Johnson has requested a trade. They've been working on an extension for a while. And Johnson was asked about it today. And he was like, I don't know. Maybe we're close. Maybe we're not. Apparently, he wants to trade. Jalen Johnson has played some good football. This season. Yeah. Bear, Bears corner Jalen Johnson. That's an impactful player if acquired for a contending team. I would like to Buffalo see Jalen Johnson play for a real team. Bills. Bills. Shield. Shield. The Buffalo Bills. Yes. We just decided, okay, Jalen Johnson's a Bill. Let's get it done. I just took a look. I'm just taking a look at literally all the uh, all the teams right now. Yeah, I think the Bills are my oh, Bills, favorite Bills, Bills. one here. Do, you, do I even have anybody else here? Lions have had some injuries there. Will they trade in, in, in division? I in don't division, know. Yeah. That, that, uh, probably not. Uh, yeah, I think that's the one. No to Seahawks. Would a team like the 49ers be interested in a Jalen Johnson? Oh, they're weird. I mean, well, actually, if he plays outside, you can kick Domino Lenore into the slot and then move off Isaiah Oliver. Oliver's been weird. He's been like good at stuff. And then he also will blow a critical coverage or have a critical interception or a critical penalty, excuse me. That Niners are possible. The Niners are trying to get an edge off somebody. 
That's what that's that's the word on the street. That's what the rumors. That's what the streets are saying. Shield. Jalen Johnson is a Buffalo Bill. I'm obsessed with Jalen Johnson, the Buffalo it. Bill. Heard it here first. Extra point taken. If you're listening to this, know that we actually this this is sincere. Yeah, when Jalen Johnson is a Bill tomorrow, we didn't doctor the footage. We called it, and by we I mean Shield. This is 12:31 a.m. Eastern Time Tuesday. All right, let's. We better go get this posted because we're going to be back. If any of these trades actually happen, then we all get to jump on a podcast and talk about it then. So let's get out of here. All right. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production. Additional production supervision by Connor Evans and Arjuna Ramgopal. Next episode will probably be trade deadline related. If nothing happens and it's boring, boo, that would suck. Uh, but if that happens, then Nora and Steven will be back with Dual Threat this week. And Solak and I will be back on Friday. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.